Hello listeners and welcome back to a special episode of the Plus Dave podcast this week. This is in fact a spin-off episode. So if you tuned in hoping to hear us talk all about the transfer window and Spurs and the upcoming season, then you might find yourself out of luck. However, fear not, this should hopefully be an interesting side. So we're going to be talking about FPL today. And if you're not familiar with FPL, that stands for Fantasy Premier League, which is of course the Premier League's official fantasy football game. So uh um, much like there must always be a Stark in Winterfell, there must always be a Dave on the Plus Dave. And we have a Dave with us today. And it's not the usual Yorkshireman. It is, in fact, David Price, better known as Pricey in some circles, who happens to be our reigning Plus Dave Super League champion and top 15k finisher from last year, which might not sound like very much for those of you who aren't familiar with FPL, but that is out of a good old 9 million or so players, isn't it? So that's not a bad effort. Welcome, Pricey. How are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good good season last season and I'm excited. I'm probably more excited for the return of FPL than I am the actual return of, of the season. I'm one of those <laughs> weird people who just get really kind of geeky and nerdy about um, that type of thing. But I was, I was, I was really happy with that. And uh, it's worth mentioning I'm now two times, I'm back to back plus Dave um yeah fpl champion yeah you're, just you're, gonna throw that in you're there. very you're very correct there i should have mentioned that. i'm a little <laughs> bit bitter about the fact that both times you narrowly pipped me uh, which is why i've put myself in as a, a kind of backup expert but i'm going to be diverting when- most of the tough calls to you on this and trusting your expertise as you are officially the champion and you've won it twice and i've just won it the one time so thank you where did you finish last year i didn't do badly myself in all fairness i was around the 35k mark which is a personal best and considering, you know, there's more and more players every year, I think there was something like, what, 9 million last year in the end or something like that. Can't complain too much about 35k. It was an improvement. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Well, look, what we're going to have today is uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We've got a lot to try and pack in. Obviously, we're going to have a bit of a Spurs flavor because we are, at the end of the day, a Spurs podcast and we are both Spurs fans. And Spurs are a good team. And we've got some interesting players to look at that could actually be good FPL players as well. But we are going to talk through it. And if you happen to be one of our regular listeners who's just stumbled across this episode and you're sitting here wondering what you signed up for, we're going to give you a bit of an intro approach just for those of you who aren't familiar with FPL and how it works and what it is and maybe we can possibly try and talk a few of you into joining our league this year and giving fantasy football a go for the first time because I promise you it's a lot of fun it makes football more interesting even the games you're going to watch anyway but it makes you watch games that you probably wouldn't have cared about otherwise it gives that extra level of flavor to some games a bit like gambling but you don't have to put any money into it let's put it that way <laughs> so um, just to give you guys a bit of a high level so fantasy premier league is a game where you're given a budget of 100 million and price you feel free to step in if I'm any of this wrong but I'm pretty sure I know it by now 100 million budget to choose a squad of 15 players and every week you've got to pick 11 of those players in your starting lineup in more or less whatever formation you want with some limitations and you get points depending on what those players do in that week you get points for things like clean sheets for defenders some points for clean sheets for midfielders points for goals for all players points for assists you get certain bonus points where it gets a little bit tricky and fiddly but we don't need to go into that but basically you want players who are going to play for good teams who are going to 
to get a clean sheet, so we're going to score lots of goals. And the trick is to try and pick the best combination with the money that you've got. And obviously, the better players cost a lot more money. If you want to put Mo Salah in your team, you better make sure you're budgeting about a quarter of your entire bankroll on him. Uh, so it's a bit of a game in terms of trying to figure it out. But you also get to make transfers as the season goes on. So every week, you get one transfer. And the players' values can move around a little bit, depending on whether people move off and on of them. But generally speaking, it's something that keeps you engaged throughout the year. And uh, you've also got what are called chips, which are basically when it's all going wrong and you're panicking and you need to throw it all away and start again, you get something called a wild card. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of half joking. It's actually quite a good thing to use at certain times during the year. But basically, the wild card is scrap your whole team, pick it all again and no questions asked and you get normally get two of those but effectively pricey if, if i'm this, right this you basically get three different. this year don't you yeah for a lot of reasons this year is different and we'll get on to that yeah this is one of the reasons i think this season is going to be really exciting is the fact that because of the world cup um and, and giving us the mid-season break effectively we're getting unlimited transfers during that period so effectively we get another yeah. wild card which just means that the way everyone is going to approach the game is completely different but actually for me it's really good for new people coming into the game because actually you can make more mistakes and get away with it because you can chop you can kind of chop and change you can change things up and yeah. actually it, it kind of gives you more flexibility around that yeah if you're three weeks in and you're having an absolute nightmare and you've completely messed up your team selection there's nothing wrong with just throwing it away and basically picking a new team i reckon three weeks in this year more than than any year i'd say that's what you do anyway you also have something called a free hit which is basically the same as a wild card except it reverts back to your main team the following week so if you've got a week where for some reason you don't like any of your fixtures or perhaps there are a couple of players in your team that have got two games that week which does happen um, especially when games are rescheduled and postponed then you can try and capitalize on that you've also got a chip called the bench boost which as the name suggests is basically you get points for all your players on your bench the three and the goalkeeper that you don't have in your starting 11 and finally you have something called triple captain now captaincy is obviously a massive part of this game and all it is is you pick a player every week who's your captain and they score double points and that can be the difference between a good week and a bad week you know if you pick one player who scores a hat-trick as your captain instead of the player who gets nothing it can make a huge difference and when you pick a triple captain which you can do once a year as the name suggests you get triple points which can be pretty outrageous if you time it right can't it so that's that's that have i missed anything pricey is that a good enough summary of fpl i think that's a really good good summary of fpl um i don't comprehensive. think comprehensive exactly um yeah nothing nothing, nothing but of course that's only the high level and there's a lot more thought to put into it you know, there's one thing knowing how to play the game, but it's another thing knowing how to play it well. And that's where I'm hoping you can advise some of our listeners, experienced or new, on uh, on how you, as a proven FPL expert and league-winning champion, go about picking your team. What's the first thing you do when the prices are, are announced? When you see the team, when you've got the players there, how do you approach it? I, do you know, I, I start with probably quite a similar template to where I finished the season before and I think actually that's a good thing to do this year mm. because we've had a condensed summer break and, and ultimately kind of finishing the season well I know there was consistency there in terms of the players and they the point, points they were getting um, naturally yeah. in the summer when they they come out and release the game and release the players first thing we do is look at prices that 100 million sounds like a lot of money doesn't actually stretch very far and the minute you start taking the FC <laughs> no. Barcelona approach and putting <laughs> um, the most expensive players in and not worrying about budget um, you, you run out of money very quickly so yeah um, but they don't let you continue you, yeah, you can't yeah. just you know <laughs> you can't just... owe funds for the next season yeah 
Um, so yeah, I'll generally kind of build a team and, and that will generally kind of be, you know, the kind of first draft. And then you start reading and there's loads of different forums. And, and actually in this kind of modern age, the general FPL site itself is really good for just data intelligence mm. articles there's loads of benchmarked kind of teams out there or what's known as the template template team so generally seen as the best team to to kind of go with if you're fairly new um, and we will talk through mm. that in in a bit or we'll have we'll a look at some that, of those yeah. people um so i'll generally look at that a bit I'd, I'd like to get a feel in terms of where a lot of the um, other managers are going in terms of who's high ownership where can we start to find differentials which are the players that are low ownership but actually there's really big to, mm future potential one of the things i really like doing looking at players who have had good seasons maybe two three years ago and actually for some reason last year they might not have had the best year and actually that means their price has dropped they're probably really cheap yeah two two years ago de bruyne started the season at like nine million and finished at like 12 million in terms of values values went up through the season yeah and it's because the season before he'd been injured and he was he was therefore a really good value pick from the off so i've 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 done that yeah. this summer. I found a few people who I think are my my hidden gems. Um, but again, it's interesting you say that because as you were saying that, I was sitting here thinking I've got two that fit that description very well in my team, and we are actually going to reveal our teams to each other. We've we've been going back and forth a little bit throughout ever since the teams came out, sending each other various drafts. If you look at our media on our WhatsApp, it's just screenshots of the FPL app over and over again. But we haven't actually shared our teams in a while, so I'm interested to see what you've landed on for the time being. Safe in the knowledge that it will probably change again before the deadline of course but we're going to reveal our teams and see see how those are looking how many drafts would you say you've been through since the beginning so far in all honesty 30 to 40 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i second guess myself all the time do you do you not find it's hard to get out of your head when it comes to looking at what other people are doing because i we're quite different in this i actively avoid looking at what other people are doing i don't like looking at so-called expert teams i don't want to know what the ownership is and i know we're going to go through it and it's, it's good content i'm sure a lot of people are interested and you can see it on the app for what it's worth the app shows you if you just scroll along what percentage of players mm. have that player in their team i don't like to look at that because i feel like it, it gets in my head and it makes me second guess my choices i just think i'm going to pick the players i think are going to score the most points and it sounds simple and that's the way i do it and i don't want to be influenced by someone who did really well last year telling me who they're picking but I guess that's kind of what we're doing today so we might as well embrace it I I think the game has changed a lot though in the last couple of years Um, and what was considered Mm. I guess normal two three years ago is Colm has kind of been ripped up and and a lot of players are now for example this season focusing on defense as a huge asset class where there's a lot more value than you'll get in the rest of your team and if you we were talking about this in the sense that if you two years ago had said I'm I'm going to play five defenders in my starting 11 you would have been mm. laughed laughed out of FPL yeah. and expensive defenders at that. exactly yeah. and then now end. now it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of commonplace so mm. I'm one of these people who I, I think similar to you I'm not necessarily afraid of that knowledge and that information but I do like going I'm the black sheep I like going against the crowd I don't like following the templates so I'll always look for ways that I can go how am I going to get a bigger return that is not in the same vein that everyone else is kind of going yeah it's interesting isn't it because if you play it safe like that you'll probably do quite well but you're never going to win you're never going to be right up there in the really top levels unless you take a few chances but there's a balance isn't there because and i think i'll notice this with a few people that i know and a couple of people on our podcast i'm going to call out dave and elio here right so I'll hold my hands up. Dave and Elliot, as regular listeners will know, they know a hell of a lot about football. I have no shame in admitting Elio knows a lot more about football than I do, but he doesn't often do that well in FPL. And 
it's mainly because he doesn't really pay that much attention, to be fair. But I think, and I know they're both going to be listening to this, so I'm going to be careful how much I slag them off here. But I reckon both of them are victims of trying to be too clever. And I think a lot of people who fancy themselves as, as football experts and know a lot about football, they don't want to pick the obvious players. And maybe sometimes you need to pick the obvious players, but you, you want to be, you know, you don't want to look like you're following the crowd. And there's a bit of an ego thing about it with some people, I think. You think, oh, I'm going to pick out a hidden gem or three or four that no one's going to put in their team because I'm super smart. And one of them might pull off and actually get you loads of points, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to do it. There's and all- forgive me, Dave and Elio, for singling <laughs> you out, but you, you, know, you know what you did last year. They, who is it Dave Triple Captain? Oh, Jim, was Triple it Captain, Dan Burke? the centre-back. it was was a bold move we 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 admire dave's boldness when it comes to fpl but there's a really good point you see what i mean on that point because there's good players and there's good fpl players and they're two different things a good player doesn't necessarily make a good fpl player take Mm. eve basima is a really good example we know he's a fantastic defensive holding midfield he's an incredible playmaker he's going to get in he's going to get tackles in he's going to make some amazingly incisive passes and you know break break the play up and progress forward transition uh but that doesn't score points in fpl like he's he's, yeah. he's never going to get the assist that leads to the goal or he's not a defender yeah. so he's not going to get clean sheet points he might get well he'll get one point if um tottenham keep a clean sheet but that's a that's a classic elio pick um again not to speak ill of uh, <laughs> some of our <laughs> no, esteemed I think, colleagues I think that's- Harsh. I think that's harsh. I think Elio knows. I think Elio's played it long enough now that he knows how it works. But what I will say is it's really interesting you you bring out someone like Basuma because I happened to have been sat with a couple of friends at the pub yesterday who had never played FPL. And after a couple of pints, I talked them into joining up our league and putting their first teams in. I didn't want to help them too much. I didn't want to tell them who to pick because, you know, what do I know at the end of the day? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to claim to be an expert. But one of them was picking his team, and this is someone who knows football very well. And he was going through, and he was like, "Oh, Declan Rice, five million. That's great value. What a good player. He's really cheap." And I, I didn't want to say no, I don't pick him. But I was like, "Think about it, because is he going to get a lot of goals or assists? You know, he's a great player, but think about it from the point of view of what's going to score points." And he's like, "Oh yeah, good point." And then he goes, "Oh, Kante," and the same thing over and over again. And I was like, yeah, "I know he's an amazing player, but how often do you see Kante scoring or setting up a goal realistically?" He did score and yesterday. I think it, it's easy to not realize that. Oh, well, there you go. This is my, this yeah. is my point, you know, because that's the thing you, you can tell someone not to pick a player and then they go and bang in a hat trick out of nowhere. How much importance do you put on preseason? Very, very little. But that is because until this year, I've not really paid any attention to FPL until about three days before the deadline. And I've not really ever paid that much attention to preseason because my mind always goes back to Yaya Sonogo scoring four goals in preseason or the time Spurs beat Roma 5-0 and then had an absolutely horrible year. Like, I think there's obviously something in preseason, but I take it with a pinch of salt. Because we were just talking about Arsenal, weren't we? And about mm. Gabriel Jesus in particular, who I know is quite a popular player. He's just scored another two, three goals, hasn't he? Hat-trick, um, yeah. After a ridiculous be, preseason. It'd be 5-0. I, I think, you know, they're friendlies at the end of the day. There's only so much you can take from how well a player is doing. Like, it's no harm in it, but I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, they're going to pick up where they left off in preseason in the first game. I think if you're trying to make a call between two players and you're not sure, then that's a good way of making it a tiebreaker. But I try to ignore it. What about you? I think it's a good way to get a steer in terms of players' form going into the season. I think there are players who clearly have a lot of confidence 
that come out. Of, I mean, and Gabriel Jesus is a really good example of that, right? Where he's just absolutely smashed preseason. He scored in most mm-hmm. of their games. He just scored a hat trick in their last game before the season kicks off. Look, it, it, next Friday yeah. it's going to be all different, right? They go away to Selhurst Park against their former player in Patrick Vieira that's a really tough game for them. And I think a lot of people mm. will be investing in Arsenal assets. Um, is, it, is it worth just explaining why we call players assets as well? I feel like that's a really kind of... I, I don't think I do that. It very, it's very it's dehumanising, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's very cold. Um, yeah, I, I've heard that before, though, to be. It's not just you that says that. I think that's sort of FPL community parlance. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, but, I think uh, when we say assets, we just mean players. We're just trying to sound like it's you know, clever <laughs> business investing. Um, but look, Jesus is a really good example whereby, look, are Arsenal going to go and put four or five goals past Palace? They might do, but if, if you're a betting man, probably not. And therefore... Look, it's there's a lot that goes into picking players. It's obviously form. It's obviously value in terms of maximising that within the squad. But fixtures are really important as well, right? You don't necessarily yeah. want to look at yeah. a player who's then going to come up against Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea and you know um, us in in the first few weeks because actually those are going to be tight games. We know that Liverpool aren't going to go and ship three, four goals. So actually, if we're looking at forward players you want to be mindful mm. of the fixtures that are coming up. Obviously, it was kind of went out of the window a little bit in COVID, but also home and away form matters a lot, particularly now that we're back to full stadiums and yeah. post, post-COVID. I always used to look for players who had like kind of good runs of like home fixtures. And, and actually, you'll get to points in the season yeah. where you'll want to rotate players when they have home and away fixtures. I think that's changed slightly this year again because of, of how there is this move towards defenders being, I guess, kind of the best value players. That home and away thing is, is interesting because I, I remember a couple, I think it was last year or the year before, where Firmino just refused to score at Anfield and he kept on scoring in away games. And then Salah would score loads of goals in home games and not that many away. And, and I was always wondering, like, is this just coincidence? Like, is this actually data that we can put any stock in? Because I like data personally, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, like actual stats mm. and using things like expected goals and shots on target, all this stuff. I'm a bit of a nerd. You've, you've heard it from the podcast. I love bringing up stats about our players. But do you think sometimes you've just got to look at something and just think that no, that's a coincidence, that's just an anomaly, an outlier, that, that's not actually going to affect it? Because I think people are too easy to just jump on a short-term thing like that. Player scores a hat-trick and oh, he's obviously going to do that again next week. Yeah, Big, biggest step change for me in terms of just going from generally being like a fairly kind of casual player into actually you know, finishing in a, a fairly decent position um, was yeah. was watching the games. There's only so much the data can tell you. And I, I agree, I, I'm, I'm incredibly mm. data-led as well. And I think it is really important. And you will get a lot of players who sometimes won't necessarily have the points, but actually the kind of the XG, the XA, the just general involvement will tell a different story. And you know it's going to come. It's just kind of having that faith yeah. that, they will get there. Uh, there was a really good example of that last season, but I've completely forgotten who the um, uh, <laughs> who the, who the player was. Right. But in, in, like, I, I guess kind of, yeah. I like to back that up by watching them um, and even if that's just highlights you know kind of post-match or if I can if I can mm. watch the matches I like to because some sometimes stats don't tell you the whole yeah. story they, they don't tell you the runs that Definitely. ultimately you know people are making into the box the positioning mm. I, you know Mason Mount is a really good example of that I think I don't think he's necessarily okay. he's, he's I think he's got fairly strong stats if you look at kind of people within that kind of player bracket but actually off the ball his attacking runs and his positioning is is 
is often it speaks a lot I guess kind of higher volumes than necessarily the kind of data just shows picked off the top of my head but I think it's that blend right of I guess kind of just making sure you've kind of got visibility on the numbers and actually who's going to perform yeah but it's important to kind of have that eye test on people as well yeah, you don't want to be too heavily reliant one way or the other, I suppose. Definitely agree with that. And I think sometimes you've got to, you don't want to trust your eyes too much because there's almost an arrogance in it, isn't there? You just think, oh, I know football. I don't need to look at stats. Like, I know what I see. But then how many times have you watched highlights and suddenly just seen a game in a different way and noticed a player that you didn't notice before, you know, particularly with defensive players, but also just in terms of like players actually getting into positions to shoot a lot more and things like that. But I do personally quite like the idea of factoring stats in to a degree. But put it this way, I don't think anyone could win FPL without watching football. I'm sure there are people out there that think you could, but I think there's only so far the stats will get you. Um, speaking of stats, should we talk about ownership? Let's, mm. Should we look through the, as you call it, the template team? So basically, this is going to be a team. Are you going to go through player for player the most owned? Or what exactly is this team you're going to be taking us through? So th- this is, I think it's going to be predominantly the most owned players it's effectively referred to as the template right so this is this is basically what a number of kind of experts within the fpl field have put together as the best bang for your buck when you're spending that 100 million as such it's well publicized it's quite popular and therefore there's high ownership numbers for these people i've done a quick check so it's not just the most highly owned player in every position because that would go way over 100 million if we did it that way basically exactly that i mean actually interestingly the defense so for example the key the keeper is the most owned keeper the defenders the most owned defenders interestingly the midfield there's a couple of uh, there's one player actually who isn't in the template but is quite highly owned uh, and then i think the forwards are okay. the two most owned forwards so yeah okay so let's do this let's talk through this team and then then let's talk through our own teams and try and yeah. get a justification for that so first of all the template team the most owned expert friendly 11 let's hear right. it I, I feel like you should guess the taste so if we let's go through the positions okay goalkeeper i'm gonna be horrible at this do i have to go through position okay goalkeeper most so i feel like a lot of people are probably going to take advantage of the fact that goalkeepers are now cheaper and you can actually get one of the top keepers with good fixtures for not that much more than the cheaper ones so i'm going to go with edison oh close uh it's mendy at chelsea Mendy, so, okay, so, he's a bit cheaper. He's so five, Mendy's five, five million, million okay, which you, yeah. you raise a really good point there. Yep. Is that Definitely had him in a draft. Um, keepers historically have varied from about 4.5 million to I think 6.5 was the most expensive in previous seasons. Yeah. This year, they've all had a million shaved off at the top, right? So you can get El- Alisson, yeah. you can get Lloris, uh, Alisson, um, Edison, all for 5.5. Mendy for 5 million. So that gives you access to a Champions League level defence yeah. for 5 million. And that's only half a million more than the, the cheapest. cheapest. Exactly. It's kind so of a bit of a it, no-brainer, it make, isn't it? It makes yeah. sense. I, I, I get it. And that's 20, 20, okay. 25%. So one in four players has Mendy in goal. 25%. Okay. Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo are my next yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Just because they were the two highest scoring last year and they're relatively cheap for the points they return. Then it's anyone's guess. Beyond that point, I'm kind of... I mean, I'm guessing there'll be a few Reese Jameses in there maybe yeah. because he got a lot of points last season. So this is a 5-3-2 formation. So five defenders, three <laughs> okay. midfielders, All right. two forwards. So I've got, I've got three of them. I reckon a lot of people would have gone for two Chelsea, actually. I reckon Chilwell might have snuck his way in there. Okay, interesting. No, Chilwell's not in there. 
No chill well, okay. Uh, no chill well. Well, I guess, I guess Robertson as well, right? Just because. So I would, I, I probably would have put Robertson. Robertson's actually really low ownership. Let me just have a quick look. He, I think he's less than ten percent at the moment. At the time of, uh, I guess he's the same price as Cancelo, and Cancelo got more points last season. So maybe people are thinking. Uh, yeah, he's 10, 10% ownership, Andy Robertson. I reckon that's because yeah, a lot right. of people, and this is a spoiler for my next guess, a lot of people have Salah, a lot of people have Trent, and it's like, mm. you know, you kind of, you can then only have one more Liverpool player. In fact, did I mention that? Yeah, I, I forgot to mention that oh, earlier. You can only have three players from one team. <laughs> yeah, that's an important rule. You can't just have an entire team of Spurs. You can't have all Liverpool. Yeah. No, no, you, definitely, you couldn't afford all um, Liverpool, but yeah. Um, okay, so go on now. Who's, what's the back five, the standard template back five then that you've got? So uh, you're absolutely right. Trent, uh, Cancelo, Reese James. Uh, interestingly, Ivan Perisic. So we'll, we'll oh, yeah. come on to talk yeah, about some of the Spurs players. players and about Perisic yeah. has got really high ownership. I mean, personally, mm. I'm avoiding him until well, I see as we're how... recording it's about three o'clock on the Saturday before Spurs final preseason game in which we'll probably yeah. learn a bit more about what Conte's yeah. lineup is going to be so we'll get on to Spurs and we'll talk about that but if you're listening to this you probably got a better idea than we do as to how Spurs <laughs> are going to shape up against um, Southampton but, but Perisic is 40% ownership at the moment Ooh, so like lo- loads of people have got Perisic so that um, and intri- him but it shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> this is why this I don't is... like to hear this though I get in my head I need to be in my own little uh, bubble to make my decisions. Okay, let's have the midfield. Am I, then. Am I playing mind games with you? Here we go. Yeah. Um, we've not done a defence. That's only four defenders. But this is what I'm saying. Oh, the whole game five. has completely changed. Right. Yeah, five defenders. Um, interestingly, so the next most owned, well, actually, the next most owned defender is a bench player, which is uh, Neko Williams. Oh, so a lot, I, a lot of. Uh, oh, I was going to guess him. I was going to guess him because yeah. I, I, yeah, because he's one of those players, and there's a few of these gems. There's one in midfield as well who were basically priced when they were a bench warmer in the reserves at a top club, and have since gone on loan. And he's one of them. He's gone from was it Liverpool to Forest? Uh, yes, yeah, um, yeah. So he's a four million player who's going to be starting as a fairly attacking wing back. So if you want a, a cheap four million bench defender, you can do a lot worse than Nico Williams. Nico Williams, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and the but other one is then, um, is Andreas Pereira in midfield, who I think is at Fulham playing yeah. as number 10 who was at man united i believe yeah. he's another one that i reckon is probably in there for the and same he's on, reason he's on he's on set pieces as well which is mm. is interesting really interesting uh but no the other the, the next most owned defender is actually matty cash aston villa so oh, wow. um which is a surprise that surprised me 20 20 percent that's that's a part of it i think villa have some nice opening fixtures he's a good example of a player where if you look at these stats you look at the data he gets the most touches in the box i think of any kind of like villa defender and actually he's really high up in terms of premier league stats for just yeah. getting forward um, always play just kind of contribute yeah ex- exactly so I, I get it but i yeah i was a bit so i mean 20 percent. so one in five mm. people have matty cash in their team um but look i think the defense i, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes just talking about that because again two years ago the kind of template was always three four three or three five two yeah. or four four two you'd never have five defenders yeah. and the fact that people are now happy to have five defenders in their team shows you that these players in terms of point per million and that's how mm. i always look at players i always look at players on a point per million basis so how many points am i going to get back for every million pound i'm spending on that player if you look at yeah. trent and uh, trent and uh, cancelo last year they both got over 200 points whereas Mo Salah got 265 yes it's more but Salah is twice the price of both of those players so actually their point per million ratio is a lot better so that's why Mm. people are moving towards defenders 
And I think we'll continue to kind of see that trend as, as we kind of go through the season. So, yeah, so five, five yeah. back. Also, it's probably a reflection of the evolution of the modern fullback, isn't it? I think every year fullbacks, I think the back five has made a bit of a comeback in the last couple of years as well. So fullbacks are getting forward more, contributing more to the attacks. So it's probably a reflection of that too, isn't it? Definitely. And that, that's and, one and of actually, the things that... about FPL in, in general, actually, like to look out for players who are basically unfairly positioned like when you get someone like Perisic who's basically a left winger listed as a defender so he'll get all the points for his goals and assists and then all the points for his clean sheets as well I think that's uh, that's one thing you've got to look out for just like how a lot of players like Salah and Son are listed as midfielders because they play on, on the flanks in theory even though we all know they're basically forwards they're basically strikers they get more points for what they do so that's just something to to keep an eye out for generally definitely so the midfield mm. Uh, so midfield is so we've got three midfielders. Uh, Salah, obviously, you, you mentioned Salah. Yep. Um, next two most I owned reckon, midfielders. I reckon a lot of people are going to be looking at that left side of the Liverpool attack and thinking Mane's gone, and now there's someone in his place for about two thirds of the price called Luis Diaz, who yep. did a lot of stepovers last year and looked tasty. I'm staying clear of him myself, just as a bit of a spoiler, but I reckon yes. he'll be in there. He he is yeah exactly yeah. that Lewis Lewis, Lewis Diaz I, is I might is eat number, my words on two. that but and and then in terms of the template team bit of an enabling a budget enabling option mm-hmm. uh, but one that I think is in a lot of teams any guesses there's one that I think I want to say but I don't want to say him because he's in my team and I'll be really upset if he's in the template most owned team because I thought I was being quite clever but I'm going to say it anyway is it Pedro Neto it's Pedro Neto of course it's Pedro Neto there I was thinking <laughs> I'd uncovered a hidden gem. Oh well, maybe uh, there's a good reason. Well, look, he's 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 only at twenty percent ownership, but interestingly, well, with high. midfielders, there's quite interesting distribution across ownership. So Salah's at sixty percent or whatever ridiculous number mm. it is. But it takes it like you said to me, it takes a brave man to start a season without Mo Salah. And I did have a number of drafts without <laughs> Mo Salah. This is um, an example of trying million, to be isn't clever, it? isn't it? That's exactly yeah. it. This example of trying to be clever and then it is not going to work. <laughs> but Diaz is second. Um, interestingly, Son is third. So a lot of people yeah. are still going for, for Son. Um, Andreas Pereira is fourth um, with 25% ownership. Okay. We mentioned him at Fulham. Uh, and Neto is fifth at 20%. Um, interestingly, Coutinho is, is also around 20% ownership, which is a name that I've not heard it's much. interesting. In. And yeah. I've not really given him much thought, but I don't really know why because he was brilliant last season and he's a great player and good team with good fixtures so and he's fairly cheap because he Mm. went for the last he basically didn't return any points for like the last 10 games or something so i I think think we'll do keep his price down once we've gone through our teams i think we should look at some of the teams that have the best opening fixtures and just look through some of the players in their teams just to sort through some options maybe some that have slipped under the radar that aren't in that team that might be interesting to look at strikers i'm actually quite confident on this one i think i can guess who the most owned strikers are because everyone I've spoken to since this was announced has just said Erling Haaland is going bang in my team, first name on the team sheet. And the other one surely has got to be Gabriel Jesus just because of the preseason he's having. And Arsenal probably have the best fixtures. I have neither. I'll tell you that. But I reckon those two are going to be the most owned. Uh, and by quite some way. So Jesus yeah. is currently at 66% ownership. Uh, and Haaland is at fifty-seven percent ownership. So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm very nervous about not having yeah. either in my team. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not that happy with this decision, and it may well change, especially after Jesus just scored a, a hat trick. But yeah. that he does contravene a very important rule of FPL, which is no Arsenal players. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> right. so it takes it's a strong FPL player to put uh, allegiances aside. Well, and, uh, I, I mentioned this on our Twitter the other day, but I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure the guy who won it, when Liverpool won the league that year, the guy who won FPL went the whole season without a single Liverpool player, not even Mo Salah. Really? Because he was an Everton fan. Interesting. And he won FPL, which shows that there's more than one way to win. But still, brave man. And brave man. That, that sounds particularly Paid impressive. Um, so yeah, so maybe maybe we'll have to try and go for a no Arsenal draft. Um, should we talk <laughs> through our teams then? Yeah. Because we can it. talk about some of those players in the context of our own teams. Who wants to go first? Do you want to go first? I'm quite nervous uh, to hear your team. Yeah, I, well, I, I think mine is not atypical. It's not cookie cutter for all the reasons I explained mm. in the sense that actually I, I want to get away from I guess kind of where everyone else is going and the big thing for me is that what we were talking there about defence in terms of that point per million ratio you need to hold those players for probably the whole season if not most of the season to really see those returns so I'll give you a really yeah. good example if you look at Reese James's returns last year he was classic for having a couple of weeks where he'd put 20-25 points on the board because <laughs> he'd get nothing. two goals and assist and then he'd yeah. go zero 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 minus one and then he'd get another 20 pointer <laughs> um and I think I, I look at Chelsea's yeah, he's he's an oh, absolute horrible, classic. horrible <laughs> FPL player. Just that whole attack, just just Pep Guardiola. Oh. Just oh, just keep it, keep me away from all of it. Um, well, <laughs> we'll get on to Man City. Let's see what I've done. Um, oh God. So yeah, but I I think for me, so if I look at Chelsea's fixtures, they go away to Everton, who are terrible, and I fully expect them to win that comfortably. Um, but then they play us, and look, I I think they love playing us though. Are they going to keep? Yeah, but they're our nemesis. Could we get a could we get a goal? Yes. Could Everton nick a goal? Yes. And actually, all of a sudden, if you've got James for two weeks and they both the games they concede, they don't keep clean sheets. He doesn't get an assist. All of a sudden, you've got a very expensive four points for not a lot of return. So I, I I'm looking at some of these early fixtures and I'm kind of thinking, actually, do I want to stay away from some of these big players? Perisic, mm. I want to see how consistently he starts. The one thing we've also not spoken about, which is a game changer this year, is five subs, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. we know that Conte loves a wing back substitution. We know that Tuchel mm. loves a wing back substitution. I kind of want to see how some of these players settle before I go and spend all this money. Because for the new people out there, if you're defender keeps a, a clean sheet for 60 minutes they get a bonus four points um yeah. which is a really good way to accrue lots of points um if but if they, they come off 55 minutes in and then the team still gets a clean sheet they, they don't, don't get, get that clean yeah, sheet exactly. which is very annoying and kind of stupid but I guess they've got to draw a line um, anyway, somewhere. So that's kind of this is me justifying like my my, my team okay, currently. Okay. So this will probably change again. Like I'm going to caveat right yeah, because we're yeah. a week to go and there's some stuff to. to you're, you're doing the Elio so, thing of doing a long, slow teasing build up to the answer with challenge Elio. Okay, well yeah, let's get on let's, with let's, it. Let's just, we want to hear your team pricing. Let's, let's have it. <laughs> let's let's just go right. So goalkeeper, I've gone for Ilham Elio um, <laughs> at Leeds. <laughs> Dave's going to love that one. I mean, well, well, he'll have plenty look, to save. I'll give you that, and you get points we, we for saves. Needed, Hey, look, he's, he's like, talking about pre-season. He's looked really good pre-season. <laughs> he made a um, really impressive penalty save and then like another follow-up double save, didn't he? Yeah. But look at Leeds fixtures. So let's have a quick look. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to say you're a brave man, Pricey. 
I you've got to got to be bold. But I mean, let's they they've got Wolves, Southampton, Chelsea home, Brighton, Everton, Brentford, mm. Forest, United away, Villa, Palace. So in the first ten game weeks, they only play United and Chelsea from the kind of big teams. Yeah, it's Leeds, but actually, I just I, for me, they've got the fixtures. I think they've looked a lot better under Jesse, and mm. I, in terms of kind of solidity at the back, defensiveness, it could go horribly wrong. But I just, I'm, I'm going to take a punt on Melia. Um, and that frees up a million for you to spend elsewhere. So it's all, I guess, depends on what that million buys you, well, right? That's it. What it buys so me. So, so d- defense. I'm actually, so I'm actually going um, three four three in terms of formation. Ooh. So I'm not, I'm not going breaking the, the mold. Um, okay. The only thing I'm not happy with this team at the moment is there's no Trent, which for me is suicide, Ooh, right? That I just is I really need to get Trent in and I'm really struggling at the moment. So hence <laughs> it might change. Um but first on the list for me is Trippier. I think Trippier's like mm. New Newcastle were brilliant second half of last year. I think when he's played, he's looked really good. He's on set pieces, um, most free kicks, certainly direct free kicks, most indirect free kicks, and I think he's on one side one of the side corners as well. Um mm-hmm. which is good because it means he's gonna pick up assist points, um potentially even get a couple of goals from that route. Uh looking yeah. at the way they're lining up he's getting down the line I, th- I think he's going to be a really good investment for five million um mm-hmm. i've then got a, a kind of like a there's a five million defender who is changing a bit at the moment i think i've basically i'm going between um zinchenko mm. at arsenal i think that's a really good bit of business um I think he's he's ne- he's never had a good season in FPL, which is why he's fairly cheap. And if you look at yeah. comparatively the other Man City defenders, obviously now he's at Arsenal, and I just think he could potentially play out of position. Um, yeah, he could be a midfielder, so, couldn't he? Especially when Tierney's back. A bit of versatility mm. there. Otherwise, he's he's an attacking left winger. We know that. We know he loves to get forward. Arsenal have really good fixtures as well, um, begrudgingly. So I, I think Zinchenko is really interesting. Um, I'm watching Kukurella, though. Kukurea, if he yeah. goes to City, I think Kukurea goes in. Um, yeah, so and, for clarity um, on that, he's he's a 5 million Brighton defender as things stand. And if he goes to Man City or anywhere for that matter, his price doesn't change. Yeah. So you'll you'll have a Man City player for five million, assuming he's going to start regularly. And he's right? hand, he's handed in a, a transfer request at Brighton yeah, as well, so he's trying yeah. trying to force it through. Um, mm. And then I've also got Diego Dallo uh, in Man United. Um, cheap defense. You've gone against defense. really gone against the um, the template there, haven't you? So four point five seems to be preferred uh, left back option. Um, or is he right back? I think he's right he's, back. He's right back, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, he plays over Wan-Bissaka. <laughs> um, so preferred preferred option. Uh, and and again, like I think what I've done there is I've paired, interestingly I've paired him with another four point five defender on the bench who I can rotate based on fixtures, which is James Justin and Leicester. Interesting. That's so high they're, level they're, thinking. They're, that is their fixtures rotate quite well. So for example, mm. United open to Brighton. So actually, I can play him. But when United play um, Liverpool in game week three. Justin, uh, Leicester are home to Southampton, right? So I can bring James yeah. Justin in. So See, that's, got- that's a smart way of looking at it, actually planning ahead of who kind of dovetail with the fixtures and who go back and forth. You know, like one thing I noticed was Kane has Southampton at home in the first game mm. week. And then the next week is Haaland at home to Bournemouth and yeah. they're the same price. And you could kind of, if you wanted to, go down that road and use a transfer. I think a lot of people are looking at yeah, the, Kane, the Kane week one mm. switch to Haaland. Um, yeah. but, um, so, um, so that's my... I, I, I want to get Trent in. Um, I'm working on it in terms of a few positions. My midfield is where it gets a bit crazy, right? So obviously yeah, I've got Salah. There's a lot in the bank right now already. Like I'm, I'm, I can't wait for this. 
Let's have so it. Salah, so Salah um, is obviously yeah. a no-brainer. <laughs> like I just, I, can't, I tried to, to do a Mo team Salah, without Salah, and no, it's impossible. Uh, you can't I've have no got, Salah I've, or Trent. That would be pure madness. You'd be institutionalised. Uh, no Liverpool. Just try that. If it won, if it worked <laughs> before, let's try it again. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I think Liverpool. I think they've had a number of changes to their team, right? And there's going to. Mm. I don't think they're going to be the same force they were last year because they've lost key players like Mane. I think there's there's going to be a, a time to get them back up to speed, but it's still Liverpool, right? So let's let's write them off at your peril. Um, mm. So Salah, I've got Neto. I think um, that five point five position is really interesting. I think there is better value in some of the Everton players, but I just want to see how bad Everton are before I commit <laughs> to having an Everton player. Neto, Jimenez is injured though. Like Neto is playing up front with Podence. Um, yeah, and that could go one he... way or another, couldn't it? Because yeah. Jimenez probably makes him a better player and he holds the ball up, but then that means Neto will be the main point of attack. Well, actually, the only the only other interesting option is Daniel Podence because he's the same price and he is he also breaks in half at the drop of a hat. Though he's so he injury prone, oh, that's what worries me about Podence. You know, a strong breeze will break his leg. <laughs> So and we'll, we know Wolves have decent fixtures, so that's why they're in there. The other mm. two midfielders I've got, um, so I've gone Jaden Sancho at Man United. That's an interesting one. I bet a lot of people have not gone for him. So Sancho at the moment, let's have a look, is ownership 12%. So it's not... It's quite low, isn't it? It's quite, it's fairly low. Uh, I See, so Sancho for me is a great example, right, of a player who should be more expensive, but ultimately didn't have the impact when he came yeah. to the league last year because United were terrible. Um, yeah. And the media now, backlash has dropped his price, basically. Yeah, and he, he's now playing in the narrative right position. Is that he's a failure and he's a flop. He's playing on the right, and he's. It, I think this could be his season, mm. um, where actually at the end of the season, everyone's looking at him and going, "Okay, that's why United bought him, and that's why he's in the England setup." And um, I think so, we're all waiting for that season where it clicks yeah. again for Man United, and suddenly because they've got a lot of very good players and a lot of money, and they can bring in a couple of good signings and it's just if they get the right manager and the, the right system and it clicks they could suddenly just be man united again none of us want that really but if you're looking at it from an fpl perspective yeah it could happen um, this could be the year and and they start they start at brighton at home they've got and until basically until they play liverpool in game week three i quite like their fixtures so um yeah that's why Sanchez in there the next one is is <laughs> um a bit of a pun but i've gone jack grealish nothing wrong with that i mean He's been playing in preseason. I think he set up a goal for Haaland. Yeah. So he's, he's really, Grealish. he's really low ownership. And again, this is someone who actually, if you go back to his time at Villa, was for one part a mainstay in most people's squads. Mm. Man City have lost Sterling and they've lost um, Jesus, right? So actually, their attack is a lot leaner now, and you will probably see less rotation. I think yeah. the front three, the preferred front three, will probably be Grealish, Foden, and Haaland. Mares, I think, would be some. I think that we'll rotate between those three, that? and then Mares. I would imagine well. Haaland. Uh, sorry, not Haaland. I would imagine Mares when fit would be first name on the team sheet on the right hand side. But yeah, maybe, I, but this is a problem. We don't know. This we is don't know. this is we what puts me off Man City. Yeah. It, they, it, so many times I've been burned by having a Man City player that is just inexplicably arrested. I think uh, we call it Pep Roulette, don't we? Pep Roulette. Yeah, Pep Roulette. It's a thing. Just don't know what you're going to get on the on the team sheet because um, you've got I, so I, many ridiculous <laughs> players. It's a bit of a punt, but I, for me, Grealish. Mm. Um, I think again, this could be a, a you know breakout season for him. I think they've they've clearly sold yeah. Sterling. 
with the view that Grealish is, is basically going to uptake or kind of pick up that position on the left of, of the front three. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm happy to take a punt on that because actually after West Ham game week one, they have great fixtures. Um, yeah, I think everything you've just said about Sancho can also be said about Grealish yeah. as well. I think he yeah. probably should be higher priced, but because yeah. he was perceived as a flop after his £100 million move, when actually when he played, he was pretty good and he's still a class player. Yeah, I think he's probably coming in quite cheap. And, and the other thing as well is there, you've got two players where actually you can trade down fairly easily in terms of actually if, say, Rashford recovers his form, um, starts scoring goals, mm. maybe he starts playing up top if Ronaldo doesn't play or goes somewhere. Um, that's an easy swap down. You've got Ericsson yeah. at United as well. There's Lingard at Nottingham Forest at 6 million, who, again, when they get out of those early fixtures, which are horrible for them, looks really good. So uh, the, the idea is there in there with a bit of, bit of versatility. Um, but anyway, my, all of my money's gone into my front three, right? So I've got Kane, Holland, Jesus up top. Oh, um, wow. And, uh, I'm, I'm now very scared of your team after that. <laughs> Kane, Kane for me, uh, I, I just think, look, let's, let's look at pre-season. I know we're taking it with a pinch of salt, but he's looked really sharp. I think he's less likely to be rotated. I think Son obviously played a lot of last season, but one of the things I noticed under Conte straight away was that Son was starting to come off around the 70-minute mark. I think he puts exerts a lot of effort, and we've kind of felt that's okay before. And I just think with Richarlison coming in, you will see more rotation in that front three. But I think Kane is the most set of those great first week fixture in Southampton. Um, Haaland, I just think, is a no-brainer this year. He's like he's one of the most exciting players in the world, right? Um, mm. And I just, I, I'm going to really struggle to have a team without Haaland in. Uh, and then Jesus, because you can't ignore the the fact that, A, he has no competition at Arsenal <laughs> in terms yeah. of his level. He's he's good, he's going to start, he's going to play, even if he doesn't play up top and they want to play in Ketia, he can still play out right. He can just, it, a, yeah. he's got so much versatility. He's banging in goals for fun at the moment. Um, like I said, that game week one fixture, I'm not, yeah, I guess kind of too sure about, but after that they have a great mm. run of fixtures. So I've 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 gone less at the back. I've put more money into my front three because I'm just going to take a bit of a punt. I think those those regardless of who they're playing, I think those three will score a lot of goals this year. I think the thing with Jesus is that he's probably got a bit of a harsh reputation because there's all this banter, especially among our fan base of, oh, you've, you've signed the backup striker to a team that needed a striker. Um, but I actually think when you look at his goals per minute when he's actually been playing, yeah. he's actually got a really impressive record. And that's bearing in mind that it's, it's being broken up. He's not playing consistently. He's not been, you know, playing 90 after 90 and getting into the swing of things. I think in the right team, and Arsenal might be the right team for him, pains me to say it, but he could actually do really well. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit nervous yeah. having heard your team. And I think there's um, there's a bit of a theme there that I've tried to reflect in that, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent. And if players were class top level players once upon a time, there's no reason to think they can't beat again. And that applies to a couple of, of my players, I would say, in my team. This is my team. And I, I should caveat this by saying that having just heard your lineup, I'm tempted to rip it up and start again because I really like the sound of your team and I'm terrified of your attack. Um, but for what it's worth, my team at the, from the back to front is Edison in goal. So I've I've put a lot of money into nice. my defense and goalkeeper. Um, no particular reason. I just played around with the budget and I had enough for a premium goalkeeper. And I think Man City had the best defense. 
and Edison's a great keeper. Not really much more to say on that. Uh, and I just needed cover for another Man City player because as you're here, I've got two Liverpool players in my defence. So I've currently got both Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Robertson could easily change to Cancelo. They're the same price. They're both brilliant. It's hard to call between them. So depending on what happens with the Cucurella transfer or whatever, I could put Cancelo in. I just think if Cucurella does go, it might mess with things a little bit. So at the moment, I've got Robertson in there. Um, I have got Reese James just because when he did play, he had a really good return. They've got decent fixtures. I didn't go for the double Chelsea. I didn't go for their their keeper or for Chilwell just because there's been a lot of changes in their defense. And obviously clean sheets are a big factor. And I'm a little bit nervous, even though they're bringing in some great, I mean, Koulibaly is one of the best defenders in the world, but you know, you never know what's going to happen with a centre-back pairing or trio if they're going to start mixing things up a bit and, you know, take a few games to get into the swing of things. I think Tuchel's also come out and said that Chilwell isn't necessarily guaranteed. He's not quite there yet in terms of starting the yeah. season. So we I don't know I, what's uh, happening with Alonso. Yeah. He might be going to, to Barcelona potentially. Yeah. or But but yeah, Chilwell, in any case, Chilwell's injury was a big thing and he might be eased back in. So yeah, James, I think, even if he plays at right centre-back, he's still playing. You know, it's not ideal. You want him on the wing where he can get attacking returns. But but anyway, I've got James for the time being. Um, I've also got Diego Dallo, who I think I think 4.5 million for an attacking top six wing back who's actually been playing quite well. And again, is seems to be the fancied first choice. They're not looking at signing another right back as far as I'm aware. Just frees up a bit of budget. The other one I've got that I don't think a lot of people have and is very liable to be moved on from my team at the moment is Kyle Walker at 5 million, who, unless something changes, is probably going to start the first game because it depends what happens with Cucurello, of course, but there's a lot of back and forth on that. It's not guaranteed. If he signs, I'll rethink it. And he's the same price as Trippier at 5 million, who I do also really like. Perisic at 5.5, I could probably put in and then find the half a million somewhere else, maybe go from Edison to Mendy, or I, I don't know, something like that. But I have Walker for the time being until something tells me otherwise because he's a fullback in the best defence in the league and he's no stranger to the odd assist here and there. And he's cheap, 5 million, you know, it's a very good price for him. Then it gets a bit more tasty. I've gone for both Salah and Son Ooh. in my midfield. So the two highest scoring players last year outright, full stop. And that's as simple as it is. I just thought, I want the players who scored the most points because they're going to probably score the most points again. And there's no reason to think they won't. Spurs have great fixtures. Liverpool have great fixtures. Son and Salah were the two highest scorers in the league. No reason to think they won't continue to be. And that's not really much more I can say about those guys other than to say that my striker and one striker in my 4-5-1 is Harry Kane at the moment. I just love the idea of having Kane and Son. Like, I try not to let personal biases affect my FPL, but there's just something that makes it that much more enjoyable when you're watching Spurs, knowing that nearly every goal we score will be one of them involved. So, <laughs> and normally both. Normally, it's, you see Kane scored, Son's probably set it up and vice versa. So there's a lot of potential for some massive double up. You know, you can see us beating Southampton 4-0 and them getting two goals each and setting each other up for those goals. Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's... I think you've got to look at how high the ceiling is with these players and how many points they could get rather than how many they're likely to get on average, I think. I like to think of, you know, where is that chance where suddenly one player just has that mad game and yeah. these are all players who can do that. And then my other two players I've left last are my cheap kind of budget freers. Uh, one is Neto, as I've already mentioned, 5.5 million. He is a player who 
was brilliant until he got injured and is one of these players that I think is sort of destined for stardom one day. Really talented player. He's been doing really well in preseason, which I know kind of goes against what I said earlier and I ignore preseason, but it's hard to ignore him scoring a load of goals. 5.5 is a really good value, I think, because he was injured last season and didn't really show what he can do. He's probably going to be playing through the middle now. Wolves have really good fixtures. Makes a lot of sense. Very similar. My other player is Leon Bailey at Aston Villa who I don't think many people are going to have because I think a lot of people have forgot he exists. But he was brilliant in Germany and he started really well and he's only 5 million and he's also having a really good preseason. He scored in pretty much every game he's played. He scored a bit of a wonder goal against Man United, actually. You should check it out. He ran from like his own half and sort of cut inside and curled one in. It was very Son Hyun Min-esque. Um, but he's really cheap and he's a bit of a gamble. He's not guaranteed to start, but I think Gerard said that he's basically played his way into the first team. And again, they've got good fixtures for the start of the season. Um, feels he's, a little um, bit lightweight, but then I do have Kane, Salah and Son who are yeah. arguably the three best attackers in the game. And they're proven. And this is one thing I was... I don't begrudge anyone putting Haaland in their team. And I, I've definitely had Haaland in drafts. But as good as he is, how many times have we seen a player take a few games to adjust to a new league? I wouldn't be at all surprised if Haaland scores you know, five goals in his first three games. Because he could do. He's he probably scored in his debut for Dortmund. I think he scored in his debut for most teams. He's that good that you, you can't rule anything out. But I just think we've seen world-class superstars go to new leagues and take time to adjust nobody is above that uh, and of course yeah Kane could take a few games to get going you know you never know but I think I've put my faith in mainly tried and tested players that know the league and have performed well in this league and I think it is pretty safe bets and it comes back to that whole thing of not trying to be too clever I just thought who were the three best players last year or four best players Alexander Arnold Son Salah Kane they were basically the top scoring players I think Bowen was in there as well but yeah. had a drop of him in it and then worked around the rest Basically. So that's my team until I change it completely because I want it to be more like yours. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm going the way of your team. It's <laughs> quite exciting now in terms of... Uh, Have I sold it? Some, did I make some, a compelling yeah, case? Yeah, you did. Uh, well, it's Leon defense, ba- Bailey's really interesting, actually, because as I say, mm. that's, that's, a, that's a very cheap budget-enabling option, like you say. He has a lot of quality. He's been getting game time pre-season. Um, is, is definitely one, one to watch. Um, and, and you're right. I think Son... You can't when when they're at their best. I mean, they're, they're the best strike partnership in the history of the Premier League now. Son and Kane. So there's value yeah. in terms of of you know retaining that within within the team. I think what's interesting is we've both gone for what's kind of called the premium draft, i.e. having three premium premium premium. Um, I've got more whereas... than three. Well, it depends if you call like expensive <laughs> yeah. defenders. Oh, mine are all premium. The I've Barcelona. Only got two cheapies. Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but mm. it's, it just goes to show how how different, I guess, kind of teams can can be. Though, and it'd be really interesting to. I think for me this year, you can definitely take risk so actually that's why i'm not too afraid of maybe not having like i guess kind of some of those big defenders from the off yeah because actually to our point earlier point if i want to in game week three game week four go do you know what <laughs> it's not working i'm this gonna is wild the funny card thing. we've sat here for nearly an hour talking about the nuances of fantasy football whereas in all likelihood i'm gonna just scrap this whole team three weeks <laughs> in and pick a new one because yeah. you can and it's actually i'm quite a big fan of that because obviously the price rises are quite prominent in the beginning of the season when everyone's mm. still involved and everyone's still playing and a couple of players get off to a blinder out of nowhere and everyone jumps onto them their prices will go up and you can cash in on it early by doing a wild card a few weeks in i did that a couple of years ago and ended up with like basically a million extra on my budget to play with for the second half of the season or more um on my bench i should have said not really much excitement on my bench but i've got andreas Pereira, 
as my sort of 4.5 million midfielder. Uh, and then I've got the brilliantly named Luke Plange on my bench, who scored a hat-trick in pre-season for Crystal Palace. For no other reason than I liked his name. I, I picked him before I found out he scored a hat-trick. Uh, and I've got Greenwood from Leeds just to keep Dave happy. Although, actually, he's one player I did look at his ownership, and a lot of people have got him. And it makes me a bit worried that he could drop in price if a lot of people ship him out. So yeah. I might pick someone else just to just to avoid against that. And then backup keeper, I've just got Gazaniga, just because he's a Spurs boy and I like him. Uh, and he's, he's, he's good looking. No other reason. I don't really care that much about my bench. I'm hoping Edison's not going to have to be saucy. <laughs> I normally go for the backup keeper for the team. I normally have two keepers from the same team so that if one is injured last minute, the other one comes in. But the problem with the more expensive teams is that their, their sub keepers are 4.5 million. So you can't yeah. really get away with it. Yeah. So uh, and also I've, it I've takes done. up another spot, doesn't it? You don't want to waste a Man City slot or a Liverpool slot on a sub keeper. So, so yeah, so that's my team. Nice. Um, very defense, your, defense heavy. Who's your game captain? with one captain? At the moment, as I'm looking at it, it's Salah with Kane as vice captain, but okay. I am by no means set on that. I think I it's the, it's the fear that's stopping me from not having Salah because I know a lot more people will have Salah as captain than Kane. And as much as I try not to let other people get in my head, that does scare me sometimes. I've been bitten hard before by trying to be clever and not having Salah as captain. But I think... Salah's away, Kane's at home. He's got a good record against Southampton. Southampton aren't that great. Okay, Salah's playing Fulham away and Salah typically comes out of the blocks flying at the beginning of the season. I think I'm going to play it safe and stick with Salah just because I don't want him to score a hat-trick and suddenly I'm behind because everyone else has him captain. I'm currently on Kane. <laughs> oh, you had to say that, didn't you? <laughs> That's exactly what I didn't want you to say. I want you to be on Salah as well. Uh, no, okay. I think I think I think yeah. it's pr- yeah. I think I think for me it'd take a lot to to move the armband from Kane on on game week one home, despite the curse of uh, kind of the yeah. early season for Kane. I just I think um, I think that's it's too, too myth, though, isn't exciting. It? Yeah, it's been a while since Kane had an August where he didn't score any goals. I think that that's one of those perpetuated rhetorics in football that Kane can't score in August. He can, he does. I think last year was just a weird year, wasn't it? Because the whole Man City thing was looming over him and he was just not interested, he was unfit. Whereas this year, it looks like it's the exact opposite. You can definitely see Kane here in the ground running in this season. Yeah. So I was going to say, shall we look through some of the teams? Because obviously we want to talk about Spurs in a bit more detail because we talked about Son and Kane. I mean, we mentioned Perisic a little bit earlier, but let's talk about Spurs. Anyone else from the Spurs team? Because obviously we've got some nice fixtures. Mm. We start with Southampton. Apart from that Chelsea game, which is a bit of a nightmare, we've got some pretty good fixtures beyond that. Who is interesting from the Spurs team? Who would you consider putting into your team? So I like once we know who's got the right back slot nailed down. I, I think that is a five million, and that's into that Conte defence. I think that's going to be an absolute bargain play. I'm, I think it's going to be Doherty. We just, I, I kind mm. of want to wait and see how the season starts. I don't think Spence yeah. will kind of get that role from day one, but I think he will be challenging later in the season. And even then, at four point five, I think that's um, that's that's certainly interesting value. Candidly, mm. outside of the front, I mean, Rich Arneson, I wouldn't touch. He's a four. He's a forward. He's what? He's an eight, nine million. He's not going to play that much. He's is not he? gonna play start every week. Not worth the money. Not when Jesus Kulisevsky. Kulisevsky interesting for me. I had him in a yeah. draft for a while. He's definitely going to play the first game. We know that because yeah. Rich Arneson suspended. And he's probably our most exciting player, actually. If you think about, I guess, kind yeah. of where he is in his career, age. How he's come in, hit the ground running. He's in t- he's incredibly smart. I like I, I like that in a player. I like I like the fact he switched on. Uh, I think for eight yeah. million, 
if you kind of can't stretch the Kane and Son duo, actually Kane yeah. or Son and Kulisevsky, I, I, at the moment, I would, rather, three. I would rather Kulisevsky over Luis Diaz at Liverpool. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, they, they that was the, the Twitter argument, wasn't it? And that was the ongoing debate over who got the better player. And, you know, I think if you look at the numbers that Kulisevsky pulled out in the second half of last season, imagine doubling that for the whole season. Imagine if he had done that in both halves of the season what his price would be now. Surely it would be like 11 million because he he's probably got more points per game than anyone as an attacker in that those last few months of the season. He was yeah, scoring or setting something up every single week. I think he was toe-to-toe with Son. The only thing Son has over Kulisevsky is he's on set pieces. Um, and Kulisevsky yeah. was getting rotated a little bit more. But what He'll I, probably what, play a bit more. What, yeah. I really, what I'm really interested in, especially some of the preseason stuff for Spurs, is that Conte has almost come out and said he wants more to be a right-back. And he's he's been he's been trialing him at right wing back, and he's kind of said, "I've converted a yeah. number of you know players like you into that role in the yeah. past. Kind of give it a go." And I used like Mora will come on, and he will play attacking right side, attacking role, just mm-hmm. like I think Perisic will get the odd game on that left slot if Song comes off and we need someone to come on. But I I, I think Kulisevsky will have that fairly nailed down, I reckon, probably to, certainly towards the midpoint end of the yeah. season. Uh, and he's one of our most exciting players. So yeah, I think Kulisevsky is definitely, definitely on my watch list. But other than that, pff, uh, not really anyone not anyone else. until, say, Loris, until we, maybe, 5.5. Yeah, but would you go Lloris over Allison or Edison? Yeah. I think they'll get not. more clean sheets, Liverpool and... Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think that right wing back spot is a complete lottery at the moment. We actually did a poll on Twitter asking who we expect will be the first choice right wing back in that Southampton game. And it was quite evenly split between Spence, Doherty, Mora and Emerson. So mm. there was no kind of runaway obvious choice. So people, our fans don't really know. I, I would say Doherty if I had to guess one. I think he's most likely. But will he stay on for, for 60 minutes if we're talking about FPL? Yeah. And this is something that scares me in general about wingbacks and particularly teams playing a 3-4-3, 5 at the back, that kind of setup where the wingbacks are crucial to how they play and they're bombing up and down. Now that we have those extra subs, I can see a lot of wingbacks coming off, uh, if not half time, shortly after. Yep. How annoying is it going to be if you've got you know Reese James and Chilwell and then 55 minutes in they take them both off and Chelsea get a clean sheet you know for example and I can see that with Spurs more than any team I think yep. just because of how crucial the wingbacks are and how many we've got now and how well, many we've options got the we have yeah, and how exactly. much we can rotate there's a reason we've got we've, that option there's a reason we brought that many wingbacks into the squad is so that we have that depth whereas Liverpool okay they've got Simicast and I don't even know who their backup writer back is I don't think I've ever seen Trent Alexander-Arnold come off the pitch they bought the Scottish guy from the young young Scottish kid I'll be very surprised if those two aren't still on the pitch 60 minutes into every game that they're fit yeah basically there might be the odd rotation here and there you never know if they've got cup games or whatever like every team can can do that but that's what worries me a little bit about teams that play with wing backs and have depth in that position now that we have that option and there's a part of me that thinks maybe the smart play would be just to go all centre-backs across the board like Eric Dyer is going to stay on the pitch for every game it's not he's not glamorous he's not going to get you goals he's not going to get you assists but he'll play every game and he'll play 90 minutes of every game and you can rely on that if he's fit and the same with Van Dyke, and the same with okay Man City's defence is a bit of a car crash at the moment because they've got some injuries but you know what I mean like these these nailed on central defenders are probably a safer bet in a way because of that new rule and they're cheaper it's interesting it's interesting because actually if you look at last season yes 
Trent and Cancelo were the highest scoring defenders, but actually Van Dijk and um, Diaz weren't that far behind. Yeah. Uh, and so if you look at it, because mm. ultimately they, they, they get goals, they get goals when they come up from, you know, come up for corners and um, they get a lot of clean sheet points. They get bonus points because they're, they're kind of making tackles and key interceptions. Uh, it's, yeah. it's something I think it'd be interesting to see. For me, I think one of the things I've learned um, over the last couple of years is waiting and seeing is really important so i used to make mm. transfers right at the beginning of a week to maximize the price because ultimately when you, you'll get players yeah. that will hit a certain and threshold and then the price will go up and exactly that they'll get injured mm. or something will happen and just think i think waiting until you've got as much data and information as possible is really yeah. key I think patience generally yeah. is is good advice i think don't just kind of have a knee-jerk reaction to something happening. You know, you bring in a player and he doesn't immediately score. Don't panic and take him out. Or, you know, don't just bring somebody in off the basis of one game where they score a couple of goals. Think about it from a longer-term perspective, I think, in general. is probably pretty good advice. Um, Let's talk about Arsenal, because you're a Judas and you've gone and put Arsenal players in your team like an absolute disgrace. Full disclosure, I did have Saka in my team last year towards the end for a little while, so I I can't really get on my high horse. But currently, I have no Arsenal players in my 15-man squad, so I can can get a little bit self-righteous. It's hard to ignore them as an FPL team at the moment, because they've got probably the best fixtures and a pretty set team as well, for the most part. Definitely. I mean, so if you look at, they've got Palace, Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham, Villa, bearing in mind those Fulham and Villa games are at home, United away, Mm. Everton home, Brentford away, and then they play us in game week nine. So that's a really nice run. Yeah. I I don't want to get... They're still Arsenal. They're still Arsenal, right? (laughs) And Let's not forget, they're, they're not that good. They, they last and, season and, they and lost address... their opening three games, right? Okay, and yeah. they you've got to remember as well they were in the Europa League and European competition this year is going to be tough because it's so squashed with the World Cup, right? So it's literally mm. it's, it, every week it's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, and that's going to be right yeah, up until yeah. the World Cup. So when the European yeah. football we struggled starts, with that a little bit at the beginning last year I, as well, didn't we? I'm I'm of the opinion that well. I will probably drop Arsenal players when they start getting into the crux of European competition. Um, look, we'll see. I think, look, Jesus, if he's scoring goals, he's consistent, then there's merit in keeping him in. But I think in terms of some of their defenders, yeah. particularly some of their midfielders, Saka as well, I just, I don't mm. like the idea of holding their players too much past those opening weeks. I think you up until game week seven, maybe game week eight, game week seven, they play Everton at home. I think probably game week seven. Yeah. Well, I think game week eight is the international break anyway. So that's when you're probably looking at, it's a great time for that first wild card, just for anyone looking for a bit of wild card advice. Um, that to me, that makes perfect sense to, to invest in Arsenal up until then. And then just, I, mm. I'd, I'd probably stay clear of them. Yeah. Well, I'm quite happy to stay clear of them for the time being, because I'm choosing to ignore the preseason and hoping that they, they pick up as the uh, underachieving bottle jobs that finished the season last year. Now I'm joking. I really need to stop saying stuff <laughs> like this because it's going to bite me in the ass, both in terms of Spurs and in terms of FPL. Uh, I am very, very nervous about not having Gabriel Jesus to my team. And there's a fair to medium chance he might find his way into it by the time the deadline comes. Um, other teams that you have to talk about, Man City and Liverpool, they're, they're the two best teams. Um, let's talk about Man City first, because that's always a difficult one because of what we talked about earlier you never really know who they're going to play do you think we're any closer to having an idea for a set man city team because i know we talked about this bit already who do you think is absolutely guaranteed or as good as can be guaranteed to play for man city i think we're as 
closest we will ever be to having a set Man City team. And there's a couple of factors to that. A, Haaland mm-hmm. is kind of set and forget, really. You don't yeah. you don't bring in probably the best striker in the world and yeah. currently in world football. They don't have anyone else like him, to, so he's got to play. To not yeah. play him. Um, look, and look at Kane kind of, I guess, kind of, you know, playing week in, week out, even with European football, Premier League shows that in that role, that, that's what they can do. Um, I think they've sold a couple of them, a couple more of their attacking players. Um, so yeah, actually, that gives a bit, bit more certainty to who might start up top. There'll be less rotation risk because they they do have they have, I know they've bought a, a couple of other people in um, as well. But but I think they're fairly kind of like you know up and coming players. I don't think they're necessarily going to disrupt the order. Defense they've got injuries um, as well. So assuming yeah. Diaz is fit, Diaz is probably like guaranteed to start most games early season. I think where you'll get most rotation for City is in the middle of the park where actually they've got Silva, De Bruyne, Calvin Phillips, um, still got Rodri. Actually, I think Mm. you'll see most of the rotation in that kind of central bit where actually you're not really investing from an FPL perspective because they're not going to necessarily no. pick up points. So I, I Unless think someone like Foden gets put into that midfield yeah. three and drops back and then you, you still have or the full back. You, might, you might find Silver. Silver might sometimes play Silver on plays the in wide the three right. In the middle. The throw, like out mm, up front, I don't yeah. know. Um, but I think, look, I think I think if you're going to... Nothing now is the best time. If you're going to invest in City, for me, I mean, their fixtures are great. Where After West Ham, they've got Bournemouth, Newcastle, Palace, uh, North Nottingham Forest, Villa, us at home, yeah. Wolves away. Just, it's it's a great run of games. They've got the players. Yeah. They're just I I think for me now is the time to go big on City. Just to throw a spanner in the works. I I may well be completely inventing a stat here. I don't know if I read this somewhere, and I, I don't really know if I can back it up. But I think Mares, out of all the players that played, you know, a significant number of games, I think he actually had the highest points return per ninety minutes mm. played of anyone last year. I think that's right. Which is yeah. easy to believe because I remember the amount of times that he'd just get a hat-trick off the bench and I'd put him in my team and then he'd do nothing for me and then I'd sub him out immediately and transfer him and then he'd come back in and score two more goals. He When he plays, he's really good, isn't he? It's a bit like Mikel Antonio, who's always injured, but when he plays, he's really good. There are players like that, aren't there, that are a little bit scary to have but if you time it well can really pay off yeah high high risk high reward would you would you consider Mares? I, he was in he was in a lot of my early drafts i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie mm, me too the minute the minute hazy's went i thought Mares has got that front right nailed down um he's gonna start yeah. he's on penalties as well which is is, is a good thing um is he any more but is he any more this is it with harland coming mm. in yeah i Harland, he does take penalties. Or he, he I want to wait again. Dortmund, I want to he? wait and see. I don't have enough. I, interestingly, when because it's the um, Community Shield tonight, isn't it? So I'm going to wait and see what happens oh, in terms is. of lining of up there. Yeah, I think yeah. if he starts, if he starts in the front three for the Community Shield, then it's very, it's very tempting. But then I'd have to find a million to upgrade Grealish. And actually, is Mares going to be better than Grealish? I don't know. Yeah. Of course, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Well, let's talk about their opponents, shall we, in the Charity Shield. Let's talk about Liverpool. So Liverpool, for me, have always been the anti-City in the sense that for the last couple of years, you knew who the entire eleven was going to be every week. It was so it was that same set eleven that just always played, and I loved that. I always had three Liverpool players in my team because it was just you don't have to worry. You know, you're not going to suddenly wake up and find that Klopp has decided to rotate out Alexander Arnold for no reason whatsoever. A um, little bit less so now, I think. But still, probably a safer bunch of players than the Man City on the whole. Still, still, yeah, agreed. Still, still very safe, um, especially in that defence. You know who's going to play week in, week out, and you know they're going to get mm. ridiculous amounts of points from clean sheets, assists, um, and a few goals as well. Yeah. I think there's a bit more uncertainty with that front three. Um, 
now that Marnay's gone, I think Salah's pretty much nailed on week in, week out, apart from the like odd rest here and there, but we'll still come off the bench. I remember not last season, but the season before, um, I think there was a game week where lots of people had captained Salah against Palace. It was when they beat them like 7-0 or something, and uh, he came <laughs> off the bench 20 minutes to go and still scored a hat-trick or something. And uh, so, Yeah, I think I had him yeah, as captain that week. Salah, yeah. Salah's still is always going to be a no-brainer. I, I, a lot of people going for Diaz, and I do, I do think Diaz will play I think he'll start a lot of games but actually with Jota with with um, Darwin um, I guess kind of coming in and looks like Firmino is probably off before the transfer window closes if if mm. Darwin actually starts starting up front he's expensive though isn't Jota, he? he's like 9 yeah, million he or is. something and, but then Jota, that's a lot for an unproven new I don't know if player. Diaz has that left spot nailed because we know that Jota can play out on the left Um Mm. I so again it's why I'm not jumping onto Liverpool players other than Salah or Trent or Robertson um, or Allison. Yeah. Those are the four that I would just I would say if you went for any or all four of those four, you're mm. you, you won't do wrong. Diaz for me is interesting, and I don't know if this is some kind of bias because of this whole kind of rivalry that was thrust upon us via Twitter with Kudusevsky when they signed them both. But I don't really get the hype. To me, he's like one of these players who has a lot of flair and a lot of tricks, and he's very exciting and he gets you off your feet but it doesn't always end in what you want to see you know a bit like Sam Maximum for example like yeah he got a fair few goals and assists and everything so it makes me a bit nervous because I think maybe people overestimate how effective he'll be as a player or maybe he's one season away from suddenly it all clicking and breaking out you know because what I just described could just as easily describe a young Cristiano Ronaldo when he first joined Man United that's what he reminds me of because, you know, early days, Ronaldo didn't really do very much. It was a lot of stepovers. It was a lot of tricks. It was a lot of flair. And people were saying, this guy's a prima donna show pony. And then suddenly he just worked out how to become an unbelievable footballer and a, you know, goal scoring machine. And I'm just kind of thinking that could happen to Diaz. He's got that talent, but I've not seen it yet. What do you make of him as a, as a player generally, not even as an FPL asset, just generally as a footballer? I, I would agree... The thing that summed it up for me is I was actually just to bring it back to FPL actually because uh, <laughs> that's mm. what we do. Um, I remember they, oh, you know. they they posted a so the actually the FPL official site they posted a video of I guess kind of like Mustang midfielders or something and um, Diaz mm. was in that and they showed obviously for each of these players they then showed a clip of them scoring a goal from last year. The only one they could basically show of Diaz scoring in the Premier League was his goal against us where it took a massive deflection, deflection and kind of like yeah. rolled into the corner. I think you're right. I think I've not seen the end. I think people are getting very excited about the fact that he's a he's definitely a kind of a talent. Um, there's a lot of flair there, mm. but I don't see his name on the team sheet and get worried about and again yeah. this goes back to my point i'm not saying i worry for liverpool or i think liverpool are not going to finish in the top four or even potentially challenge for the title because i think they will be right up there but are they going to be the absolute machine they have been for the last three four years mm. especially last season no because they've i mean people aren't really paying i think for me enough attention to the fact that they've lost Mane, who was such a massive part of that yeah. squad of the way they played of their creativity of their ability to to you know Mane was a very unselfish player and a diaz strikes me as the opposite um from you the, think the so? min- i've always thought Mane was a selfish player Mane, <laughs> Mane annoys me as as someone we talked about this on the podcast as someone who always had salah in his team in fpl the amount of times i've seen salah wide open and Mane decides to shoot 
I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. He's he's an excellent player, obviously. He's a huge loss for them. I just think a lot of people are going to look at Diaz and think, ooh, it's basically money for yeah. 8 million instead of 11 million but it's or not, 12 it's million. Not it's not money. It's not money. That's the, that's the trap. Is. That's the trap. So we'll see. You won't have the same kind of outfit, Watch him. I watch imagine. him put a hat-trick in against Fulham. <laughs> yeah, I... Everything I've said, yeah. this is why I host the show, because I don't like to put myself out there with any bold calls or hot takes, you know. Uh, this will come back to haunt me one day when uh, when Luis Diaz is lifting his Ballon d'Or. Um, any other teams that have particularly good fixture runs at the beginning of the yeah. season? We, we talked about the two I've got with Wolves and, and Aston Villa. I think they have a nice early run in for what it's worth. But anyone else that's uh, well, I, I th- standing out to I you? Think, I think Villa... Um, Leeds? I think Villa have... Bournemouth, Everton, Palace, but then they play West Ham, Arsenal, City, Leicester away. I think mm. Villa is like it's good for a few weeks, and then it's it's getting slightly tricky. Um, so I think same with Wolves. Actually, a lot of people have spoken about good early fixtures. They go away to Leeds, home to Fulham, away to us, home to Newcastle, mm. possibly challenging Bournemouth, Southampton. Then they play Liverpool and City. So I think with some of these like lesser players in the clubs that have these good fixtures, yeah. it's just being mindful that at some point you're probably going to have to either move them or make sure you've got depth in squad for some of those slightly tricky. Yeah fixtures um or just plan for a wild card play, yeah that exactly that yeah. um so for me yeah Leeds. i think you know wolves at home wolves aren't scoring massive amounts of goals um they really do so yeah, i quite like that fixture um southampton away don't know much about southampton at the moment It'd be interesting to see how they react to the game after us um they're then home to chelsea mm. but then they've got brighton everton brentford forest United, yeah, I think Leeds have actually got fairly good fixtures because even after United, they've then got Villa, Palace, which is yeah, it's fairly, mm. it's, it's fairly good. Um, we spoke about Chelsea. I think after those opening yeah. two games, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, West Ham, Fulham before they go to Liverpool, um, or they play Liverpool rather. I think if Sterling was a touch cheaper, I'd be very tempted, but I just think yeah, I, the amount of money you can have to spend on him could go somewhere it's else. It's a lot of money. And the way that they're lining up with that fluid three of kind of Havertz, Mounts and Sterling, Mounts two million cheaper. Mm. And I think probably, I don't know if Sterling will outscore Mount this year. I think if Sterling was guaranteed to play through the middle, that would be more exciting, yeah. but he's not. Havertz is doing that role at the moment. So yeah. I'm probably going to wait and see, but Sterling's not really on my list what about the promoted clubs is there anyone because every year i think there's there's always one or two strikers that have an absolute stormer in the championship and everyone gets excited <laughs> this year it's mitrovic yeah. who's just broken all records 42 goals or something mitrovic is a bit different because he's been in the premiership before a couple of times and not done particularly well he seems to get more red cards than goals in in the premier league solanke as well has his fair share of goals last year of course it was ivan tony yeah. who had an okay season from nfl perspective but didn't blow him out of the water so is there anyone this year that you're tempted by from any of those teams, whether it's a striker or otherwise? Um, so other than the people we've mentioned in terms of Neko Williams, Pereira, yeah, for yeah. me, the fixtures just aren't, aren't there. I think, and actually that's the beauty of them waiting and seeing. So if you look at Bournemouth in the first mm. four weeks, they play City, oh, Arsenal and run, Liverpool. Um, if you... <laughs> That's, that's tough but no um, one's going to have Solanke if you put yeah. him in there and he goes off to if you don't mean Fulham, for even Fulham Fulham have got Liverpool Wolves Brentford and Arsenal in their first four weeks um, and then Knots yeah. have got Newcastle West Ham Everton Spurs Man City so I just I I think the fixtures just aren't yeah. there I think which is good because actually it gives you that time to wait and see who are the players who are starting who's standing at who's looking like they've got potential um, the, say the big ones for me are Lingard at Nottingham Forest I think that's that's exciting 
interesting when you get to that kind of mm. game week six. They then play Bournemouth, Leeds, Fulham. That's probably a transfer I'm going to be keeping quite a close eye on. Um, interestingly, the team yeah. you mentioned there in terms of last season, not many people have spoken about is Brentford. Yeah. Um, That's not very exciting, are they? So, okay, their first two weeks aren't great. Leicester and United. But then they've got Fulham, Everton, Palace, Leeds, Southampton, Arsenal. How much is Tony this year? He's, I didn't even look at him, He's to be 7 honest. million. Ooh. See, I saw that Mbomo, was, who was a midfielder last year, is now down as a striker, mm. which immediately puts me off even considering him. He hit the post about eight times last season, didn't he? Yeah, he had the worst, in the whole of FPL, he had the worst conversion compared to his X, XG. Oh, the XG Delta. Yeah, yeah love it. Yeah, that's, that's not a good thing to be. I imagine Son was probably the Even highest. The highest he, yeah. he's, uh, absolutely smashes <laughs> it over his XG. Right, well, the other thing I want to talk about, and I'm conscious we, we've gone on for quite a while, and we could definitely, between us, talk about FPL for hours because we're super nerds, but we'll try and hold something back. I just want to talk about the World Cup. I mean, I'd love to talk about the World Cup itself, again, for hours and hours, but let's talk about it in terms of what effect it will have on FPL because this is new ground. We've never had this World Cup in the middle of the season. And of course, you already mentioned that we get a free wild card effectively off the back of it. How much is that playing into your thinking in terms of the players that are or perhaps more importantly, aren't going to be going deep into the World Cup. Like Mo Salah, for example, who's not going to be, he's going to have the, the, the I almost said the summer there, the winter to rest and players like that. Because, you know, players for the top teams like England, you assume will go deep into the tournament, we'd like to think. Is that something that you think is going to have a big impact on what your team ends up looking like when the Premier League resumes? Um, probably not when it resumes. I think most of the players will be used to playing a heavy fixture schedule over that period of time anyway. Mm. I think there will obviously be some fatigue elements given it's in Qatar and thinking about, I guess, kind of the heat and the travel. So I think the the only thing we can do is wait and see, really. Um, You're going to get a lot of rotation around the Christmas period anyway. So it's not going to be unexpected if a few players get rested for a couple of weeks. Tends to happen when you get that kind of fixture congestion around that time of year anyway. So realistically, given you get unlimited transfers, I I think at that point, I'd probably be planning to reshift my team towards using my chips mm. in the second half of the season anyway so starting to think about okay when am I going to use my bench boost um, when am I going to use my triple captain uh, and actually then starting to build the squad around that so that's a bit more of a long-term plan rather than necessarily thinking about the immediate aftermath of the World Cup would be mm. my my general take on it I think actually where it's more impactful as I said a bit earlier on it's that ability to kind of go aggressive in the first half of the season. You can try things out and not worry about getting things wrong. Because if you if you wildcarded mm. in game week four or five, your next wildcard would come in the second half of the season. So potentially having to wait 20 yeah. or so game weeks to then use your next wildcard is a long time. Whereas actually the first half of the season is going to be done in these kind of two cycles. So yeah, I, I think for me, the World Cup, I think it's a game changer for more so for before the World Cup rather than after it. I've just looked up the dates actually and the World Cup final will be on the 18th of December and then the league doesn't resume again until Boxing Day. So there's actually a nice break. Little, little break. Even if you're playing in the final, you'd like to think you'll be fit and firing again by the time it rolls back around again. So, And actually, it might have a negative impact on players like Salah actually if they're not at the World Cup yeah. and then they have a month and a half out. Might go rusty. Um, yeah. And you've got people who have been playing and playing consistently. So it could go, could go either way. He can come play for England if he wants. <laughs> You know, he's he's been here long enough. We'll take him. We could we could use him in our in our ranks. I don't think Southgate um, would start fantastic. him over Mason Mount, unfortunately. 
<laughs> no, he's, he doesn't. He doesn't trap back enough. He wants another defensive midfielder or a yeah. right back. Uh, but we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. I imagine the Plus Day podcast will do its best attempt at a World Cup podcast once that starts off because we're going to want to carry on talking about football. So you'll have all that to look forward to. Um, before we wrap things up, let me hand the floor back over to you. And could you maybe give us or new players, for example, your let's say top three tips or just you know general advice? What would you say are the most important things for someone who's getting into FPL? They've never played it before. They're going to join our league. They want to try their luck uh, becoming next year's champion. What would you say to those people? I would say plan ahead. So try not to focus too much on just the kind of game week in front of you. Do try and have a look at ultimately kind of games coming up, because actually if you've got teams that are going into really bad fixtures, you don't want to have to basically take hits. The one thing we've not spoken about actually is the fact that you can make more than your allocated transfers in a week. That's a very good you point. Just t- you take yeah, a minus you four, yeah, you it. take a minus four point hit, and I think last year. The, the, the eventual winner, I think, used about 10 in the season or something. So he took about a 40-point hit yeah. through the season and still won. The year before, I know the guy took no hits throughout the whole season. So it, it's kind of... Yeah. There's, there's no, no right, there's or, no wrong right answer, or wrong answer, really. But mm. what you do want to avoid is getting into a position whereby, you know, actually you kind of look at your team for a short period of time and then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, I need to need to change this. Um, waiting, I think, yeah. is really important. It can be very tempting. Mm. Um one thing I would advise is there are some sites, there's a site particularly, because I think you recommended this to me a couple of years ago, actually, it was FPL Statistics. Fantasy Football Scouts is one that I'm a fan yeah. of. I've used that for finding stats for just general Spurs chat on our podcast, actually. The scouts, scouts, really, the scouts me, there's so. loads of information about pre-season, like they, they've got all reports and all yeah. the games, which is a really good good um, database and library and, and insight knowledge portal for that. Um, but the reason I like mm. the, the kind of specific statistics website is it tells you, it, it's not it's slightly off at the beginning of the season because it can be quite hard to actually work out when the players are going to rise in price, but the tool that helps you identify when the players are going to go up in value can be invaluable because sometimes Mm. you could be planning to make a transfer that's fantasy football fix fantasyfootballfix.com tells you that if i remember correctly it can give you a heads up when a player is about to rise or drop in value so you can you know make sure you plan around say for example week two you're going to make the switch from kane to harland and you're going great i can afford harland but i've spent you spent your 100 million it's they're both 11.5 but actually, Haaland, mm-hmm. everyone could be doing that and everyone makes that move really early in the week and Haaland could go to 11.6 and all of a sudden you can't afford Haaland so you can't make the switch. So, yeah, I, I mean, exactly. I, look, I'd say use it with a pinch of salt. I think data and intelligence is always better than just jumping into those transfers. You don't always want to chase team value. It's important. So when you wildcard when the players are going up in price, you're going to have more value to play with a bit later in the season. So it's something you do want to be aware of. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just making sure that actually if you're planning a transfer, but actually it's right on the cusp of budget that you're not going to then price yourself out of being able to kind of make that move. So that's that's another piece of advice. Mm. Um, what's that too? What would my third piece be? Just enjoy it. Do you know what? It's For me, it got mm. me excited about watching football again. So not not for later, I've always been excited about watching football, but I was always excited yeah. about watching Spurs. I'd never get excited about watching Brentford, uh, Brentford Leeds, right? 
but actually that's you know there's you find value in apart from, apart last, from last season, season yeah. End, yeah but that's it you you find <laughs> value yeah. in those games that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily do because actually you've got a vested interest in it and i think that for me has just brought a much greater enjoyment of football so the the that that's the biggest bit of fpl is actually it just kind of for those that are really passionate mm. about the game um you know just enjoy yeah. enjoy watching football then it, it kind of gives you that i guess attachment to it so um yeah just just enjoy it have fun with it the flip side of that is that it can ruin football mm. at times as well because there are totally. times where you're trying to enjoy a match and you can't get fpl out of your head and you're just worried about the clean sheet or about the player who's through on goal passing to your player but i think on balance it does make it more enjoyable and like you say it definitely makes some of the more boring games a little bit more exciting so yeah definitely get involved and it's free to play as well just if anyone's on the fence you know you don't have to pay anything for this it's not a huge amount of effort like we've we've obviously gone into a lot of detail but you can kind of play it casually and just have a bit of fun and you'll find that if you get off to a good start and it goes quite well you'll want to pay a bit more attention and it's quite addictive and you'll you'll want to try and beat your friends and your leagues and and you'll want to try and beat us and if you're interested in trying to beat us and specifically beat pricey and knock him off his perch as champion from last year we've actually got a lot more people in our league this year than we did last year and we're hoping to get several more the way you'll do it is you download the app you pick your team choose your team name hilarious puns are welcome and you put in the code for the plus dave podcast super league which is six t-o-r-v-b not case sensitive at all six t-o-r-v-b we'll be posting more about it on our social media as well so you can get in on there to look at our social media of course it's at plus dave podcast on twitter lots of updates on there and we, we may well do another catch up on this at some point throughout the season i don't think we're going to make it a weekly thing we've got enough on our plate with our regular main show but we're going to probably touch in on this and who knows maybe we'll do a roundup at the end of the season and we, we might even invite the winner on if it's not one of us and have a little bit of a, a debrief for the season who knows we'll, we'll see see how that goes but we look forward to hearing about specifically some new players but get the word out join our league get involved with talking about FPL with us and above all make sure you don't pick any Arsenal players that's the number one rule <laughs> but until then everybody you stay classy FPL fans and we'll see you for the season Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! They've done it!